My name is Chris McDaniel. Welcome to our daily podcast here at Trinity. Glad to have you join us. I'm going to read a short passage of scripture from the Bible and then we'll pray, spend just a few minutes thinking together here at the start of our day. Matthew 3 verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. When Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we ask you to give us insight into the Bible today. Lord, help us to think Uh, straightforward but profound thoughts about you and about our own lives. God, help us to find our own story in Jesus's baptism, that we would follow Jesus, um, quite literally follow him in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. So before Jesus does any ministry, before his public life in ministry commences, he is baptized, and at his baptism we hear those famous words, uh, those deep, affirming loving words. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Y'all, this cannot be overstated. Jesus is beloved and pleasing to his father apart from his performance. The same is true for you and for me. We are Abba's children, period. Jesus was fully alive. He lived his entire life Uh, with an acute awareness of his belovedness. This is the starting point for Jesus. And I would submit to you that this must also become the starting point for each and every one of us. If we try to live our lives from any other starting point, we will falter and fail. Frank Frank Lake and Emil Bruner, uh, a pastor and a psychologist, spent a lot of time many years ago examining the life of Jesus to see what it was about Jesus's flow of life that sustained him through lots of difficulty and trial. Jesus never seemed to lose his place of balance, his orientation. And these two men were uh, working with a lot of missionaries that were coming off the mission field in India who were experiencing acute burnout. And they asked the question, I wonder if Jesus has something to say that would speak to burnout and anxiety and stress. And they came up with what they called the cycle of grace. And I'm going to put it in front of you. If you've been a part of our church, you've heard me mention this. But I think right now, during this remarkable time, COVID-19 and all the upheaval associated, this is a really important thing for us to revisit and consider. So I'm going to speak to you about what Lake and Bruner found. They found four movements in Jesus's life that manifested in this order. Number one, Jesus was deeply accepted. Number two, Jesus lived his life sustaining his acceptance and belovedness through spiritual practices. Number three, Jesus then possessed an abiding sense of significance, which led finally to a profound sense of achievement or fruitfulness in Jesus's life. So let's sit with these words, acceptance, sustenance, significance, and achievement, this cycle of grace. Jesus pertaining to acceptance was loved, beloved, before he ever preached a sermon, before he ever healed the sick, walked on water, fed the multitudes, died on a cross, or was resurrected. He was not loved because he was uh, capable of doing those things. He was loved because he was God's son, his child. And the same is true for you and for me. 
Jesus began his life and lived his entire life from a baseline of acceptance. Next, Jesus lived a life full of sustenance. He sustained that sense of belovedness, that connection to God, through the practice of regular rhythms of devotion. Jesus lived his life with lots of spiritual discipline, lots of life-giving practices. So thinking through the Gospels you see pertaining to sustenance, that Jesus spent time in quiet solitude. He spent time praying, reading the scripture, attending worship. He also spent time feasting, celebrating with friends, hiking, um, social time. These were all practices that sustained Jesus in his belovedness. He knew who he was because he actually lived a life that supported that awareness. And these two things, acceptance and sustaining that acceptance, led to a profound sense of significance in Jesus' life. Because he was loved and lived a life of enrichment, he was aware of his own power and significance. And for many of us, we need to hear that it wasn't bad for Jesus to know who he was. Neither is it bad for you to know that you're a person of remarkable gifting and significance. It's not pride, it's self-awareness. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He knew that he was the son of God. These things were indicative of him knowing who he was, being very aware. And these led to a sense of achievement, or if you're uncomfortable with the word achievement, as a Christian, you could say fruit bearing. Jesus walked on water. He resisted temptation. He healed the sick. He fed people with inadequate provisions. He rose from the dead. These are remarkable achievements. Now, acceptance, sustenance, significance, and achievement, that's the cycle of grace. That's the way Jesus lived, and I would submit that's the way he calls each and every one of us to live. But our world works upside down. And this is why many of us are so anxious these days, because our world uh, has a different kind of cycle rather than a cycle of grace. The world around us has a cycle of work or earning, and this is the way it works. That cycle of work begins with achievement. And then achievement, we hope, will lead us to feeling significant, which then we think, well, we've got to sustain that significance because hopefully, finally, we'll finally feel loved and accepted and safe. See, we have it all upside down. Can you hear that? Achievement, significance, sustenance, and acceptance is the wrong way to live. It's the wrong way to work. But this is the way we've been taught. And many of us currently are stuck in this trap. This way of looking at the world tells us that we're only as good as our last achievement, that we have to begin by doing something profound. And then after doing something profound, I have to um, be significant. I have to project significance, which becomes for us a trap of image and power management. We crave feedback and affirmation. We crave people telling us that we're smart, that we're capable. And many of us right now with our work in flux are really running into some significant anxiety because we're not achieving as much. We don't feel as significant or important, much less sustaining that significance through image management. And what's happened there is many of us feel unmoored. We feel unsure, unsteady right now. And the lie with the cycle of work or earning is this. We think if we can just do enough and have people see us as important enough that one day that'll make us feel loved enough. But do you see Jesus started the whole other way around? And I believe that he invites each and every one of us to start where he starts. Jesus started with acceptance, not achievement. See, for him, by the time that he got to achievement, he wasn't all that interested in his achievements. Jesus seemed 
really remarkably disinterested in what crowds thought of him because he knew what God thought of him. And I would submit to you that many of us are on that desperately broken merry-go-round of the cycle of work. And we've been living that way because the world lives that way and tells us we must live that way. And yet Jesus has a cycle of grace that he wants us to get on. So I'd commend to you today that the Lord wants to begin with you in this moment by saying to you, you are my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. You are accepted because you're a child of God, not because of what you do or how much money you make or how healthy you are. You are beloved because you are a child of God, period. It all starts there. And then he invites you to pick up sustaining practices that will remind you that you are a child of God. Sabbath, silence and solitude, celebration, joy. These things remind us that the world is God's world and that we are children who receive from his hand. What could you do these days that would remind you, that would sustain you in that awareness of being the beloved of God? That will inevitably lead you to an increasing sense of well-being, of significance. You will know who you are, that you're worth dealing with, that you matter. And I promise you that will give way to fruit, to achievement. But the fruit won't make you feel like you belong. You'll already know you belong. And when you do then, things at work or at home, things that matter, create works of beauty or success, vocationally or relationally, those things will be a simple byproduct of the others. It's time to get off the merry-go-round, people. It's time to start where Jesus started. We're loved. You're loved. If these, see, these ideas and these words seem foreign to you, I would commend to you two books. Number one, Brennan Manning wrote a book called Abba's Child that changed my life. Um, it's such a basic, powerful book telling us that we are Abba. We are God's children. And secondly, I would commend to you Trevor Hudson, South African United Methodist, who I've been privileged to meet and spend some time with. The man is the real deal. He wrote a book, a study actually called The Cycle of Grace about these ideas that I've put in front of you this morning. I would encourage you to pick those two works up and spend some time thinking about your belovedness. You are the beloved of God. Lord, I pray that you would teach us uh, to tend to the cycle of grace, not the cycle of work or merit. Pray that you would help us to repent where we've got it wrong and actually begin to turn to you in new ways. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. May you tend to your belovedness today. Amen.